You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 67. Uh, I'm John, and joined tonight by Jeff. How you doing? Yeah, hello, right, mate. Back again. Just to give hot takes. Hot takes, aye. Um, yeah. Maybe some hot takes. Um, and we've also got Vinny. How you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for having me back, guys. A pleasure. You got any hot takes as well to give tonight? <laughs> Not particularly. Not particularly. I, 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 I had a good weekend with the, the guys at Rob Roy, but there were no hot takes, other than Stuart Maxwell's just uh, signed a new deal to stay on as, as manager. Um, it's a rolling 12-month contract, so if, if that's a hot take, then you're welcome to it. That is good news. So you can fill us in a wee bit on that, because you had the privilege of being at the Rob Roy Player of the Year night on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. it, was, uh, it, was, it was a brilliant night. Uh, I'm just putting together a wee article about it, actually. Um because so much of what they said and their speeches and the way the players came across, and I mean, it was it was a sellout, um, which is just fantastic in itself. But so much of what they, they they put across was they're just not about the short term. Like their survival this year and their cup run this year was was excellent, but they're 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 obviously trying to get back to Kirk and Tillich, but. There was one thing that the assistant manager said in one of his speeches. That was, he was talking about the under-20s and how a few of them have moved into the first-team squad. And he said, you know, they're developing as players. And then he, 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 he hit the nail on the head and said, um, ultimately, we, we want them to move on from this club as better people, never mind players. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's, that's quite an encouraging thing to hear at that sort of grassroots level. Um, certainly not about, um, uh, not just about results and everything like that. Um, so that that was really encouraging. Uh, just hope that everything works out for them in terms of the the ground in in Kirky and and they get back home soon. Aye, because you had the honour of doing the Q and A with them, didn't you? Yeah, so that, that was good fun. Uh, Max, the 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 gaffer, said that he'd happily do the Q and A at the, the night and then volunteered a couple of his players. Um, uh, they didn't know about it when I called them up. Um, <laughs> So that, that that made it quite interesting. But even that, I mean, it was um, we Fraser Scott, who's sort of emerged in the team, and uh, he had a great game down in the the cup semi final uh, against uh, Talbot. Um, he did really well. Uh, so he's really up and coming. And then the other guy that came up was Robbie Young, who only came in January. I think he signed from East Stirling. He'd spent a wee bit of time in America and then came over, hadn't really worked out for him at East Stirling and then uh, signed for Rob Roy in, in January and has been banging in the goals. And, is, well, again, another thing that stood out, Fraser Scott was a wee bit quiet and stuff like that, but Robbie Young, I was just so impressed. He was, like, really confident at public speaking and things like that. I'd, it's, it just really impresses me that so many young players are, are good like that. Um, and I was listening to a, a podcast earlier today talking about guys like Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson and Callum McGregor, all these young Scottish guys. 
don't know what's gone on, whether they're, they're confident because of social media or they've just been trained in a certain way or because Robbie Young spent time in America and dealt with that kind of thing a wee bit more. But they, they just they don't seem phased by it all. They don't just give one-word answers or anything. They're they're quite analytical about their game and, and everything. So even that is sort of finding its way into the junior setup, which I think is just amazing. I remember back in the day, you used to get managers that would shield young players away from doing interviews as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, whereas, uh, how was it? I think it was uh, Gordon from, um, uh, you know, Hamden Road Podcast and Tart Scarf and things like I, that. Yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it was him that was talking about Patterson in particular, and he was saying it's not like, it's not like arrogance. It's just like a total confidence in his own mm-hmm. ability. And he can, he, he knows what he's meant to be doing in games. So when it comes to analysing things and post-match interviews, he, you know, he, he can handle it. It's, it's brilliant. Aye, no, it's definitely good to see. Um, and Jeff, you had a busy weekend as well, didn't you? At certain uh, times. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was at I right, but Thistle's posted a talk with uh, Michael McEwen, uh, the journalist slash author now, as his dad told me, uh, who wrote the Ghost of Kafka Park, the well, the book about Third Lamont. And um, now it was great. Met some high high fans uh, who were uh, very open with their opinions and. It was, it was really good in the end. I highly recommend people take a look at what uh, I write have got going on. Um, buy Michael's book because it genuinely is really. I know obviously I hosted the thing for him, but it was really good. And uh, yeah, and shout out to the people at Mitchell Library because I got to see behind the scenes, which is fun. And then the woman who took me back to get my jacket and that told me that it was ghost stories in oh, the Mitchell Library, which was <laughs> oh, just what I needed at night, half nine at night, and when it's pitch black, that's what you want. So. Ah, it's really good, yeah. It's a good weekend in the end. <laughs> Aye. So it makes a change you plug in someone else's book as a to your own. Did I mention I've, I've written a book? Um, well, I know you brought it up. <laughs> but, um, Father's Day's coming up? It is Father's Day, actually. I forgot about that. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is Father's Day. Buy the book. It's really good. You'll enjoy it. Michael McEwen gave me a, a, a review of it and he told me it was really good. Uh, and I've got that in writing, so it must be true. Was that an, an exchange for a cheque you gave him? Uh, actually, they gave me a check, which is a point. I need to chase an invoice, but that's not the point. <laughs> oh, yes. It reminds me, though. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Uh, that was after I'd spent my day at Queen's Fair, well, at Airdrie, which on the Mighty Spiders. We were now massive after after winning the playoffs by drawing their way to success. People say football's boring. It's a way forward, isn't it, in the playoffs, it seems? Yeah, it's been a good weekend. I think the playoffs this week, this season, I think the playoffs, obviously we've got the Premiership one left to go, but I think all of them have been really, really good. I don't think they've been out with the Arbroath and Vanessa one. <laughs> Everything else has been good. Well, what we would definitely say is good, and starting off from the bottom, well, I won't say the bottom, but from, because there's still some stuff to be decided at Tier 6 and Tier 5, but we have seen progress from the leagues below which is what we want for the pyramid to work. So, Bonnie Rigg beat Kelner Beef fairly comfortably in the end, um, which is good to see. I'm hoping they have a massive high overhead on Sunday because obviously they played Talbot in the South Challenge Cup final. So, hopefully they're having like many celebrations this week. Um, <laughs> but that'll be a tough game. We've then seen, obviously, Edinburgh City, who I think have been on the verge of like nearly men kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
they've managed to progress and obviously they came up through the pyramid. Which is yeah. good. That that game between Edinburgh City and, and Allen has been was the game of the nearly men for promotion for the past ten years. Well, out with Edinburgh only getting the league not uh, six years ago, I think it was, someone said. Seven maybe. But Allen and Edinburgh City, since they've both been in that division, have both been the nearly men on so many occasions. It was about time one of them went up. And I was I watched Edinburgh City in oh, November and they got beat 4-0 at home by Albion Rovers. And at that point, you wouldn't have thought that they would be anywhere near going up. But fair play to them, they came through and they've gone up after a fairly entertaining, yeah, entertaining comeback. They were 2-0 up in the first leg and they lost 2-1, but that one goal was enough to see them up. So, yeah, it's good to see them. It's like a wee revival for Edinburgh-based football. Five football on your brand spoiled apart, but I mean, for Edinburgh-based football, it's, you know, Bonnie Rigg and Edinburgh City both getting promoted. Hearts had a great season. Hibs to the Hibs. It's been, uh, it's been good for Edinburgh. I mean, nice ones, as I said. You never know who knows what will happen with the... Uh... Lone League playoff. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the round robin seems a bit a, a crazy system, but we put Trenent, Darvo, and St. Cuthbert's confirmed because Trenent beat Genefield Swifts at the weekend. It was an interesting situation because you had the two teams that were going through the league playing third and fourth in the league. So they had two tough games, but Trenent came through in the end. So the way it works is, and I'll get this right, Saturday. We have Trenent hosting St. Cuthbert's. Then next Wednesday, we have St. Cuthbert's host Darvel. And then on the 28th, we have Darvel host Trenent. Now, around Robin, you would think, oh, maybe it's going to end up in a, in a situation whereby they could go to goal difference. But I believe the way it's going to work is if, for example, Trenent and Darvel, which you'd expect to both beat St. Cuthbert's, the game finishes level, it will go to penalties so it's yeah. like two points for that one a bit like the League Cup system that's what yeah. I need to get used to the League Cup now and get to know what the format <laughs> is because Aberdeen have never been in it at the group stages um, in its current format so but I believe that is the case isn't it you get the two points for the penalty shootout win so yeah it's the play the, the round robin playoff is utterly stupid uh, but I think we've done that to death on the why we think it's stupid and why the Lowland League shouldn't have, haven't while the Lowland League are a bit hypocritical with their stance on the SPFL but not opening it up themselves uh, it's maybe not a bad night to talk about it in a bit more detail because there's not maybe as much action to talk about because we've got a Premiership podcast next week once the Premiership playoff is over but it's, so we could touch on that a bit more detail <laughs> if you want yeah, yeah, can do. Yeah, it's it's certainly stupid, and <laughs> the fact that they are voting for a nineteenth team in the league and not opening up the relegation stuff promotion bit from the league below, where they're genuine. I think Trent St. Cuthbert and Darvel all deserve that promotion spot. They all, they all deserve. It. They won their league fairly and squarely. The team going down, if I remember rightly, is it the South of Scotland league they're going into? Uh, Vale was the east of Scotland. Vale are leaving. Yeah, I think it's the south. But I might be. I might. Be, it's the south or east. Either way, it's not the west. And um, it is ridiculous how the way it's set up. 
Um, the cult themes is just a completely different thing. That's beyond stupid. The fact that they've opened up the 19th, that they're opening up a 19th team spot for reasons no one's quite fully grasped. But they're opening it up the guest teams. And I believe, you might be able to correct me, but I believe there are three or four teams in the west of Scotland that applied to be that guest team. And it just seems ridiculous. Like, well, just open it up. Just open it up properly. Put two places in and out. And then if you're going to have that round robin, yeah, fair enough, I suppose. But then the team, the team that's with that win those round robin games get the promotion that they deserve. Saving the execution for other teams. And the problem you've got as well is it's not just happening at Lower League. You're now finding it's happening in the West of Scotland as well, whereby teams in the South of Scotland are applying to get into the West of Scotland League so that they can try and move up the pyramid because they know themselves. And with no disrespect to the South of Scotland League, they are, I would say, a level beneath the East and the West. And that's been proven in cup competition where generally the West or East teams would have the advantage. Not always the case, but generally. That would be the case. So I think three Rovers are applying again to the West of Scotland League. Um, and we've obviously seen, I mean, before Bonington, who are in Kilmarnock, played in the South of Scotland League before the West of Scotland League was formed. And we've seen how they've kind of struggled this season. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. But, it's, but it's just like, surely, surely like regionalising it like that is, is, is to benefit clubs in terms of expenses of travelling and everything like that. So having teams like three, I mean, no, no matter how, how, how good they are, it's the whole idea is that as you move further up, it's, it's, it's more prosperous for, for the teams so that they are, so it's easier for them to travel to games and everything like that. Having, you know, West of Scotland teams travelling down to Thrive, that's that's surely defeating the point of the, the original plans, no? Well, you would, you would think right. so. I think the other thing as well, see where this round robin playoff and Rob Roy, we should say, are now safe. They can't get relegated, right? But you've got a situation whereby there's teams that don't know what's going to happen until the playoff is decided. Mm-hmm. So it could either be six or seven, depending on whether Darb will go up. So it impacts other teams. They've, in terms of like making plans, I don't know. Don't there's maybe not a big difference in terms of like if you're trying to make play up, play up like signings and different things like that. Uh, but, probably I'd like that. So, really, then, Ben Ken, for example, they've finished their season on 50 points. Currently, as it stands, they're safe as it stands. But it could be a case that they are relegated based on the actions of a playoff game and another league game that's outstanding for a different team. But it's also, to be fair, like the West of Scotland top flight, they have got seven relegation spots this se- this season, or six, and then what happens with double. But that's purely because they're restructuring the leagues, which makes, obviously, this season a bit more mental for them. But, yeah. Uh, now, the Lowland League, I understand the reasons behind it. I know it's not like the Highland League where the promotion stuff isn't as much of a fear because there's not so many teams trying to get into that division. And also the Highland League has got an established history, I suppose is the best way to describe it. But the Lowland League, to be fair, to them, fought like mad to get that playoff base with the SPFL. And then within a few seasons of them successfully getting that, they've realised that it's teams out of their division that's going up the most. And it's been replaced by teams that are actually got support places and it means that the teams below that, the ones that made up the bulk of the Lone League for so many years, are the ones that are at risk of falling now down and down the down the down the scale. 
And I think that's what maybe given them the fear. And um, they lost a lot of credibility, I think, when they did the Colt teams thing. They lost even more credibility when they said that the Colts weren't leaving after a season. Not that anyone overly believed that they were going to leave after the season, yeah. but they lost that credibility. They then got rid of the relegation, well, not got rid of the relegation, there's a relegation spot, but they got rid of the original suggestion. I think the original suggestion was two teams up and down, and then they got rid of that. Yeah, it, it seems a bit... It seems like that league lost a lot of credibility, and then we get stuff that's happening in it with certain clubs that you're just sort of sitting there shaking your head up thinking that this is just turning into a laughing stock. You've got leagues in the division below you with clubs who are well-established, strong history, successful teams, big support bases who are eventually going to get into that division and they're going to remove a lot of this. I'm not going to name any teams because it's harsh, but they're going to remove a lot of the Botsam and Jetsam that sat in that league that will disappear. And There's one club in particular that I'll be pleased to see back. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll name them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> open open Goldbroom Hill were an absolute laughing stock on Saturday night at the um, at the Rob Roy night. It's just uh, it was one of the players I was speaking to, and there was a few of them around at the time. They're just talking about how. How, how good the support is for, for Rob Roy. Yeah, they do want more numbers coming along to games and whatnot, but like you say, Jeff, there's a, a, a long history there. It's a, a well-established junior club, and then you've got a team there with 30, 40, 50 fans. Um, yeah. And, okay, that, that might that might increase, but um, yeah, it, it, for me, <laughs> yeah. it's, not a good, it's, it's, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Wouldn't it be terrible if they got relegated and it was all a big failure? Oh, that would be... Oh, no. How would we ever go? Aye, because on Broomhill trying to play in Cumbernauld, is that correct? Uh, I, I, I heard that rumour that it would be a, a straight move to, to, to Broadwood, because obviously they're, they're playing out in Alawa now, um, which is... Uh, yeah, Broomhill. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, but yeah, well, there you go, Jeff. Your your, your next book could be the downfall of of Broomhill. No, no, no. no I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to finish that statement. <laughs> not, not on air. <laughs> Where's Rob Roy playing this year? Have they made a decision? No, no, nothing yet. Um, as, as you know, it's been guys uh, guys medal for, for for quite a while now. Um, so I would I imagine it's Saturday. Would... Eh? Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Talbot were playing Cumbernauld. Yeah. Cumbernauld, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's an all right wee ground. The pitch isn't in great nick, but you know, with the team sharing it, um, and it's 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 a really weird location. It's mm-hmm. like kind of out the way. There's not much nearby it at, at all, but um, you know, it's got a nice wee shed and stuff like that. And uh, it's obviously got all the astro pitches round about it and stuff like that. So it's it's good for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but aye, it's just a, a weird wee ground. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob Roy, no clue at all, no insight, no exclusive. <laughs> not, not from that side, unfortunately. Um, like I said, they're just absolutely desperate for this thing to go through. Um, I, I, I think, I think they now have the backing of, of the local authority, so um, or at least the councillors involved. So hopefully that's they're they're on their way. But you know, the, the thing's still to get built. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I I've, I've spoken at length about it before, but just the, the vision that the club have for, for the space just sounds fantastic. You know, for, for somebody who, who lives nearby, 
Um, it's it's not just a facility for, for the club; it's for the whole community. It you know it it would have the the you know like the five side pitches next to it and everything like that. The good car park. It's not even a five minute walk from Kirkintosh Town Centre, which for for a while was like a scene out of The Walking Dead. But you know, there's some great wee restaurants, cafes, um, and and a, and a few sort of independent shops and things like that cropping up in the area. And uh, I, you're you're a wee walk, like a twenty minute walk from Lindsay train station and things like that. So I mean, there's 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 links there. There's you can even go by barge. <laughs> and, 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 and and dock at the uh, the marina there. So there's there's loads and loads of um, options there for them. I just they they just need to go ahead, and then I think I think it could open up all sorts of possibilities for them. Ah, you can see see increased crowds as well, and the stability you have in their own home as well would definitely help. There's no doubt it's gone on for too long. Uh, well, that's nine, nine years I think now. They've been away from Adamsley, so it's aye. It's about time. It's a sizable number of teams these days that don't seem to be playing at home anymore, or where they should be playing. Like <laughs> we've got Clyde, who used to be in Cumbernauld, but for reasons that with everyone's understanding, they decided to go Hamilton. Aye, well, at least one team playing at Firhill had a successful season. One team at Firhill did have a successful season. I don't think they'll be back though because of the success. Uh, I was doing some stat checking yesterday because I'm sad and was quite happy with the way Queens have played. I believe this is the first season since 1958 that Dundee and Queen's Park have been in the same division. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. That was, that, was, that was fun to find out. Um, I believe it's also the first time in nearly 30 years since Queen's have been in the same division as Partick. Uh, 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 2000, 2001. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ah, 20 years. Sorry. Yeah, 20 years. Jeez, yeah. um, <laughs> so they've also been... It's the first time they've been in a division with... Uh, well, if Inverness stay in it, uh, with Inverness since Inverness came into the into the league. Wow! Yeah. Um, when when would that have been then? That would have been like maybe nine, 94, 95. Yeah. Wow! Brilliant. Ah, uh, so, so Queens are in a good 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 run of form. Um, tell tell me, Jeff, because I've I um, this sounds like someone would say is uh, as an apologist. I've got a few friends who are Queens Park fans, but <laughs> um, so I. <laughs> so I, I always looked out for the, the results and things like that, and I've been to a handful of games over the years. But you know, I, uh, Eileen and Susan have, have, have you know long-standing fans for a long, long time. Um, but tell me, is is there a wee bit of a culture change? There's, I've heard whispers from other people that they don't really have a soft spot for Queen's Park anymore because yeah. of, of, of the new structure, the new the new model and things like that. Yeah. How, have things, how have things been for the fans moving to the professional side of the game? Oh, well, <laughs> it's really bad because obviously got promoted so you're buzzing off the promotion. However, off the field yeah. stuff has been a fucking catastrophe is the best way to describe it. The lack of communication, like, I mean, beforehand, the communication between Queen's Park and the fans was always a bit ropey, shall we say, but you used to get stuff out of them. There's never really a lot of stuff from Italia, like really, to be honest. Since they've gone professional, I don't know if I'm speaking to a lot of people, I've been promoted, that's, 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 that's amazing, that's, that's a really good thing. I watch Queen's Park because they're the closest team to my front door, <laughs> mostly, but I have got a sizable soft spot for them. I think, the romanticism of Queen's Park's gone. Uh, not mm. just a wee bit. I think it's gone a sizable amount. 
I think that the way the fans have been treated is possibly the wrong word, but the lack of information coming out of the club has been has been a disaster. I mean, the lesser Hamden stuff has been brutal to say the least. There were delays, no one ever knew what it was delays. They were building and then they stopped building and they were building and it turned out it was because of that bloody farmhouse was part of the reason because some idiot somewhere decided to object to being knocked down despite the fact it was full of asbestos. Um, then there's the, the going professional and the fact that certain people at the club kept putting themselves front and centre for interviews and they'd tell you about this journey but at the same time, the fans that are about what, 50 yards behind her have no idea about this journey because you're not telling them. That was getting on people's nerves and it still is getting on people's nerves. Yeah, it's big that we got promoted. There's the changing of the manager halfway through the season and the director of football that we brought in from, from Denmark turned into a segregate manager. Mm. And that was kind of just happened and no one really got told, told it was going to happen. It just sort of happened. You didn't get told Owen Coyle's taking over at the end of the season and he comes in with about eight games left to go. A lot of things happen that were a bit strange. Then there's the constant. Now, I've wondered about Dundee United doing this. I've wondered about Hibs doing it in particular. They're overly commercialising everything, which I understand you need to do as a professional football team. You need to get money in. But we've gone from being sponsored by Iron Blue and then you get... um, and you get like the scoreboard would have like Hamden cars or whatever there was. You'd have like local yeah. sponsors. So now companies that I generally don't know what what they do or their purpose in being is. You get every announcement comes out with a sponsorship. I understand how sponsorship works. It just it feels wrong. And Queens Park's tops are obviously historic. They're, they're always going to be a one inch black and white band. That's all they're ever going to be. But yeah, it it doesn't look right having sponsorship on. The kids it doesn't feel like the club used to feel. It feels fake, almost partially. It's like you live in the twilight zone sometimes. And yeah, I am buzzing that they got promoted. Genuinely, really, really happy about it. It's just when you look back over some of the things that have happened during the season in particular, it's a bit of a disaster. I mean, the season ticket prices jumped massively. I mean, uh, concession season ticket last season during COVID was 60 quid and it had been 60 quid for about three years this season it was 175 and Queens were the only ones that seemed to have they weren't the only team to do a, a price rise that's quite common but it was a huge price rise it wasn't like a, a small one um, the fact that they never been playing at Fair Hill till about two games before the season started was telling um, the fact that they left Hamden where they'd been for over 150 years Yes, it was COVID. I fully accept it was COVID, but nothing has been put in place for the fans to have one final game at Hamden as, Queen Park, as Queen's Park. There was nothing done, nothing at all. I don't think any other club would have done that, realistically, especially a club so intrinsically linked with that ground. I don't think many other clubs would have just up, left, and said ta-ta and not, 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 not done anything for the fans and nothing has been indicated has happened since then. John's just put in the chat, is Lesser Hamden ready? I'm led to believe it's not at the minute. Uh, and I'm led to believe the club are looking at options for, and I quote, the start of the season to be played elsewhere. There's nothing in concrete, though. They've not officially said that. It's just. Yeah, that, that sounds familiar, that statement. 
Yeah. I, I think when we when when we were told that um, Queen's Park were going to be ground sharing with us, I, I I would love to try and find it, but I swear the original announcement was uh, until October, and then yeah. it was followed up with December. And <laughs> so from from our point of view, I think. A lot's been said about the pitch at Firhill and everything like that, but I, for for me, it wasn't necessarily about the ground sharing. There's there, there's been long-standing issues with, with the the surface at Firhill. I think being one of the few and perhaps only um, senior clubs in, in British football who are next to a, a, a body of water, but below the water level, the pitch is yeah. below the water level. I think that tells you an awful lot about it. Um, so I, 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 I can't really blame Queen's Park. I mean, we've we've ground shared with teams before, like with, with Clyde, with Hamilton, and um, and it's been all right. It's not been like like it was this year. But uh, yeah, I, sh- I share your frustration from that oh. point of view of being told, yes, it's it's only till now. Oh wait, actually, it's now. And then so I. I, I, I kind of thought when I saw Leanne Dempster getting involved, I thought, oh, wow, they're, they're, they're really going for this. You know, whether I thought it was a good idea or, or not, but do you think that's had a, a, a big part of the communic- or lack of communication with fans and this over-commercialisation of it? Yeah, it, it, it'd be harsh to pin it all on her, I think. Um, although equally sizable amount of the blame probably does fall at her door predominantly it, it's just I think it's more the speed at which the change happened I mean they were voted, the professionalism vote was done at the end of November 2019 the first professional contracts were signed at the start of December 2019 obviously then we had the Covid break in March but since but since that happened it's like the identity's just been completely switched and I was speaking to a few people the other day in a pub uh, who are Queen's Park fans. And the attitude seemed to be a bit of, if we knew it was going to be the way it is now, the vote might have been slightly different because the vote was fairly overwhelming. I think it was 94%, if I remember rightly. Uh, I don't know if it had swung the vote. But there were a sizable number of people that are not overly happy. I think we also live consciously in the fear of what happened with Gretna. I mean, Difference between I, the two. Is... I, I was I was trying to avoid saying their name, but it does <laughs> it it does uh, remind me an awful lot of, of what happened to Gretna in a I lot mean, of ways. Yeah, the attendances have been not the greatest this season. The reason for that is people went to Queens Park a lot of the time. Same reasons, not this exact same reason, but similar to why people were at party. They don't want to watch two certain teams, and then Queens are quite local to the south side it's very easy for people on the south side to get to, in the same way that Partick's not too difficult for people on the north side to get to. The attendances were about 800, give or take, uh, in, in the third division on a good day. This season, we've been looking at about four, four, 450, give or take, and that's a massive drop-off. I mean, the attendances at the playoffs were good. They were, but they were obviously the playoffs. Um, but yeah, the attendances haven't been... I don't believe personal attendances are high enough to justify a full-time team. And I think if you are going to charge people effectively nearly 20 quid a ticket for certain games next season, I don't think your attendances are going to be high enough to justify keeping that full-time model. And Queen's, unlike Gretna, who appeared to have an endless pot of money, Queen's don't have that. We know how much the stadium went for. We know roughly how much the new stadium's costing. 
you're then looking at the the gap and you think this up can you keep afford them to sign full-time players and I know that they've said to be sustaining they need to be floating between effectively a championship and, and league one that's fair enough no one's going to argue that no one's going to argue the toss with that but it does seem like you've taken a big gamble on getting there really quickly hoping that the uh, hoping that the, the dividends pays off and in fairness to them so far it appears to have worked <laughs> you were that situation with the pricing though do you not think that's we're seeing that impact across the board in Scottish football where like people are getting fed up with the pricing at the top the so-called top level and then they're like turning their attention elsewhere whether it's going to watch different teams or whether it's just going I'm just not bother going to football anymore um, I think you two will know this as, uh, probably argue better than me because you've got to West of Scotland more than I do but I think West of Scotland defences have gone up recently or I don't know if, I don't, don't get wrong I don't think it's been a sizable increase but I think it's gone up uh, um, like Saturday there for um, for the Rob Roy Horford game, it was seven quid for me. I had four kids with me, and you know they just let him in through the gate, so it's a no brainer for me. And it's similar when I go to the women's games as well. What what like is the the, the price at uh, uh, like doing your way? Yeah, I that same seven pound. Um, yeah. I've seen for the adults, and then four pound for concessions. Mm-hmm. And again, generally, if you're a kid, no, they'll let you in. Um, I think the best attendance we had in the league this year, certainly away from home, was at Pollock. We had over a thousand at that match, and there's certainly been a few ma- a few matches at Beechwood, with the exception of the Hearts game, which obviously attracted a big crowd. Um, whereby we've had four figures. So, aye, that's a good thing. In terms of whether or not into the Lowland League, would there still be that amount of people going? In terms of away support, I don't quite know. Because um, that's one thing Talbot can apply themselves on. They do take a good travelling support everywhere. I don't know if that would be the case if they're playing Gretna Wednesday night and stuff like that. Um, in terms of increasing costs, when you're talking about expenses and having their stuff regionalised, that is the beauty of football at this level. Mm-hmm. West of Scotland is that you're playing derbies a lot of the time, or you're going to football and you're maybe an hour to get there, an hour to get home. So you're not. It's not your full day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if you uh, just, just the, the way the structure is, and I think there are a lot of positives for it. And like you said, Jeffy, that the, the Lowland League is sort of getting in the way of a lot of the potential of, of clubs. But you wonder if you know, clubs like Talbot and to, I suppose to a lesser extent Rob Roy, that maybe don't have ambitions of getting promoted just yet, but you know, teams like Talbot who are always going to be up there challenging, are they looking? At teams like Queen's Park and thinking, oh, that's not the way we want to do business. I, I wonder if there's warnings there for them uh, already in the senior leagues. One thing you would say about most of the teams in the West of Scotland League is that they are effectively fan run because it's the money from the fans. It's not as if there's any investors really coming in. Darvel's obviously <laughs> a different case in point, whereby John Gold's there, who's got clearly a bit of money. Um, whatever happens in the future who knows but they've they've got a good setup at the moment in terms of all the improvements that have been made in terms of the ground and different things like that um, facilities but then are they going to get bored like they've not got a they've not got enough fans to sustain being in probably League 2 I, I, I don't see that they're going to unless maybe what some fan maybe some Kelly fans decide to do is go right we'll maybe go and see Darbo every second week like some some people do now. I mean, like Jeff, you obviously support Monday United. You support Queens Park. You sometimes go and watch 
the west of Scotland. Likewise with yourself, Finney. Maybe you'll take a turn to watch Partick Thistle. You'll take a turn to watch Rob Roy. Maybe that's what Darwin are hoping, but it's a, it's a difficult place to get to as well. Public transport's not the greatest. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go and watch Darvo as even a neutral, because I was thinking about doing it for the, the playoff game, unless you drive, you're not going to get there. Yeah. Easily. Think, yeah, that's a, that's a... I don't know. I mean, is it any more difficult to get to than like to Cove? I know Cove's obviously just outside Aberdeen, but I mean, it's not like... Um, it's not the easiest place to get to unless you drive. Uh, it's the same... It's more public transport, like in terms of like midweek. Yeah. I mean... At night, it's not great. Yeah. I think each club deserves the to get into the position that if they get into the league position then I think they deserve a shot at it there are teams that are in the divisions at the minute that are in equally not necessarily as awkward but some play, some are in awkward places like Stranraer for example not advocating Stranraer get kicked out of the league I should add but Stranraer are a pain to get to uh, Peterhead it's a massive pain in the ass to get to um, Algin yeah, yeah it's, it's not too difficult I suppose in the grand scheme of things but they deserve their opportunity I fear for some teams in the league. I mean, Calder Beef, for example, who went at the weekend, had that 117 years, I think it was, someone said, in consistent league, consistently in the league. That's dropped away. And I don't know, obviously, I mean, anyone's been to Central Park will complain about it in some way, shape, or form, unless you're a Bonnie Rig Rose fan. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame to see some of these famous old names disappear, I think is the biggest. Shame, but at the same time, we can't stand in the way of progress. Like these teams deserve their opportunity. Eventually, at some point or another, you will see the likes of Talbot, you will see Apollo, you will see probably Darvel, you will see these teams who are historically huge clubs in the in Cumnock Juniors. I know John won't like won't give them credit, but the, the, these are all big, big sides, and I'll, they deserve their place. Anyway. We can look, look long back to the days of seeing East Stirlingshire and Berwick and stuff. Like, yeah, we can rightfully miss those those away days, those those teams. But yeah, we can't really stand the way of progress. Aye, you would get the flip side as well. Like, as I killed them beef East Stirling and Berwick that they were stinking the league for years in terms of they were just Aye. not getting relegated because there wasn't relegation, so they could finish bottom. It didn't yeah, really matter. Was... There was no consequences. Um, it probably comes down to the league setup we've got. I don't think many people enjoy playing the same team for teams a season. Yeah, I mean to be fair to Calvin Beef, to be fair to Calvin Beef, this isn't to be fair to them at all. But Calvin Beef have been in the playoff at least twice against East Kilbride and survived on penalties in one of them, and then I believe a ninety-eighth minute winner in the other. So yeah, they the third time and there might be a fourth time, but at least the third time in the playoff. The Calvin Beef. I mean, they had their fair shot at chances of dodging it. I do fear. I found it quite interesting. I think it was a couple of seasons ago when Berwick were relegated, and the Lowland League put up uh, like a graphic telling you the prices of all the tickets into the games. And as you guys said, it was about depending on the kick club between six and eight quid, I think, for every team. And yet, Berwick Rangers stood out because theirs was twelve pounds. That's the kind of mad things that like clubs going down need to realise is that they can't keep even even the third division teams. I mean, Alvin Rovers thinks twelve quid a ticket, or fourteen maybe at the minute. If they drop into the Lowland League, they cannot justify charging you fourteen pound a ticket. And I know that they've got less 
they haven't really got less overheads because they've still got, I think they've got more games to play maybe, or at least the same number of games to play in that division. Other than more cup competitions because there are more cup competitions exist further down the league. We'll get me started in cup competitions. Uh, <laughs> but but it's, you, you're right, Jeff. It just kind of makes a mockery of it because you know what what is the, what is the big difference in standard between right. League Two, you know, the third division, and it, you know even West of Scotland League. Yeah. Like you, you look at guys like I don't know if you've seen him. I'm hopefully I get to see him ne- uh, next weekend, um, uh, John. But I don't know if you've seen the boy Sewell. Uh, at Largs, what's he scored? He scored 40 or 41 Aye. goals this season, right? So there's, there's guys like that who you're thinking he must be capable of a step up in, in some standard. And there are teams that like Albion Rovers and whatnot who actually probably couldn't even afford them. Do you know, it's not like, so what What are you paying for when you're when you're paying 14 quid? I mean, even at Thistle, I think um, ticket prices are, I think it's 20 quid for, for an adult. In the championship, and it's like the standard of football. You you can see there there is a marked difference maybe between championship and and then when I go and see Rob Roy, but I mean that's a huge gulf in price, and it, it makes I, I, it's, it's it's a huge amount of money for for some people to be paying, especially this day and age. It, it'd be great, wouldn't it, if there was just some sort of amnesty in Scottish <laughs> football where every club was like, do you know what? <laughs> Let's just let's just make this affordable for everybody and it would be a tough one of these situations if it worked it would be a tough couple of years for every single club but you, you do wonder if eventually the the, the benefits would out, outweigh it and you would have loads more people coming along your your, your balance book is, is, is sorted from that point of view because the attendances are up people are buying snacks and everything like that when they're at the game it'd just be a wonderful thing I think yeah. the problem with that is that clubs have tried doing it occasionally in one-off games, but they've never done it for a sustained period to see how successful it could be in terms of cheaper yeah. prices. You can't if you do it like a one-off. It depend. It might depend on the game where the folk are interested. But if you do it over a sustained period, I think you would see increased crowds. Yeah. There was a there was a lot of anger about that with Thistle in the playoff games. Obviously, because because they're televised, they're a Tuesday night and a, a Friday night, which is not. Ideal, um, so you're you're not going to get a big crowd along, and they were just charging the pretty much the same prices as as before, and um, you know considering the amount of money that fans, you know, at, at Thistle, the amount I think fans raised, I think it ended up something like eighty or eighty five thousand pounds during COVID. Um, you know, so considering that, considering the amount of money people have paid for streams and everything like that over, over the last couple of years. And then there was just no sort of thanks. Um, so that, that didn't go down particularly well. I understand that the club were just saw this as an opportunity to get a wee bit extra money. And if we went up, wonderful. But yeah, it was just a wee bit frustrating from that point of view. But yeah, it's, it's something that I think would only work if everybody agreed to it, which is never going to happen. Nah. It's, yeah, it, we do. I can understand the top flight sometimes having the higher prices, but I really struggle with. The, the further down the leagues you go, especially when, like we said, between League 2 and the leagues below that, directly below it, the price difference is, in some cases, up to a tenner in difference in price. And you mm-hmm. just kind of think, this, how, how how have you, how is that working? I know there's extra things they need to pay for when they're in the league. I'm fully, I'm fully aware of that. And I know Stuart and 
there's a regulation on the student they have to have an elite that goes further down. So I, I fully understand partly where it comes from. It just it does seem a bit ridiculous. And also most of the time people don't. People like the low like the West of Scotland and stuff because the kickoff times are more reasonable. Like I suppose I mean three o'clock on Saturday afternoon is not an unreasonable time, but I mean you've got kickoff times in the winter that are half one and stuff and you're back home by the time the second half's are kicking off in most of the most league games. And I think people enjoy that. Like they're still getting most of the Saturday evening and not getting back in the door at the back of five and rushing around. I mean just us, that's just all men shouting at clouds. That what's the banter at the west of Scotland's far better as well. I don't know, the, the people at the are usually quite funny to be fair. Like some of the stuff you hear at west of Scotland games, I remember when I first started going to like junior games at the time, and you'd be standing, sort being a linesman or a assistant referee, because some of the abuse they take, and they can hear it clearly because the crowds are smaller, and then they start giving a wee bit back, and then the fans are up in arms. <laughs> It's like a pantomime show sometimes. The weirdest thing I've ever seen at a football match, which is top level patter, in my opinion, is I was at a Dundee United game. Oh, Jesus, must be approaching a decade ago now. And Lorraine Kelly was there. That's not a surprise. That's quite a common journey. But she brought Timmy Mallet with her. And he just like walked around in front of the like Eddie Thompson stand. And I've still, that lives rent free in my head. Because I've got no idea like what. Why he was at Tannadice, why he was brought on at half time as a special guest. I've got literally, it's just a puzzle. And I like the fact that he was chanting, uh, there's a certain chant that him. I believe is uh, legally not true, but still found so it's, it's just, it makes no sense. I, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen at football match. That, and I once saw someone during a <laughs> United were drawing nil nil with Falkirk about four years ago. And the guy whacked out a book and started reading it during the second half. <laughs> That, that's quite, believe it or not, that's quite a common thing at Fur Hill. You know, uh, we believe that. We do believe that. Uh, <laughs> funny you. things I've seen at football. I've, I've seen a guy um, take the lid off of his pie and eat the contents with chopsticks at Fur Hill. That's I've seen that. Answer. Seen that. And also, um, <laughs> it was a game we were getting, uh, we eventually lost 6-0 to Aberdeen. Um, it was like last game of the season or something. Scott Wright of uh, Europa League right. fame yes. scored a hat trick. Um, and at half half time, uh, Thistle uh, had teamed up again. Surprise, surprise! Uh, had teamed up with a local drama group and <laughs> did, <laughs> did did a reenactment of the 1971 League Cup final on the pitch at half time, which someone must have footage of it somewhere. It was. Both oh. one of the worst and best things I've ever seen in my life. I remember, but <laughs> I remember being at Firhill and watching uh, basketball, basketball team trying. They were trying to hit the crossbar or something. Yeah, that, I was that, there. That was that. That made no sense. It just sort of happened, kind of uncouth. Th- that when we went through this weird phase of having. Um, like if you had your season ticket for Hill, you could. You also had a season ticket for Glasgow Rocks, <laughs> um, which I, I know a few folk who, who went along and, and quite enjoyed it. But it's just another one of these things that Thistle have tried over the years. Of you can just imagine the the boardroom discussion with that, and they've got their flip chart, and it's like you know at one point they they were talking about ground sharing with the the Glasgow Diamonds. <laughs> um, I, I, again, if uh, 
yeah, if, if, if anyone listening doesn't know who the Glasgow Diamonds are, just YouTube, search yeah. Glasgow Diamonds and just enjoy the, the subsequent <laughs> four minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there was chat of Grinchum with them, Glasgow Rocks, and so, yeah, the, the list goes on and on of things we've tried. There was also talk of um, uh, yeah a boxing match happening on, oh. on the pitch at Hill <laughs> as well. That. That yeah. So yeah, we've, we've, we've gone through a lot of ideas over, over the years. Is there any uh, but, team I'm psychotic that I've, not, I've done as much weird business Temptations as Partick, and they've just never completed them. And I thought, what this, this is not working. This is not working. What would your <laughs> ideal half time entertainment show be? Or would you just not bother? Just like, just have your your club legend coming out during the raffle, whatever, the half time draw, and talk about past games. Or, or would you want something a bit alternative? I was at Tanadice when, when uh, Tommy, I forgot the guy's second name, so he's going to have to forgive me, the amputee footballer, and he Chipped the keeper on the edge of the oh, penalty box. That's yeah, was, that. was that? I think that was against Thistle, was it? No, uh, yeah, it was in the it was half, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was half time in the uh, game against Thistle. Yeah, that was a good one. We we went through a spell also of having the guy who was the. Uh, it couldn't have been the world record, but it was a guy who was a, some sort of keepy up champion. <laughs> 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 Sorry, this this would have been talk about the last time that we were in the the, the the same league as Queens Park. It would have been around about that era, and he made a few appearances and he dropped the ball. <laughs> so, oh, it was brilliant! So he he would go round. <laughs> He would come out at halftime, sorry. He'd come out the tunnel at halftime and then they'd, they'd announce him and things like that. And he'd start to keep you up around, around the tunnel. And like I said, one time he did he did drop the ball. But by the time he got all the way around, the teams had come out <laughs> for, for the start of the second half. So he had to quickly try and finish before the team started playing again. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, yeah, it's, it's, yeah for, for, for halftime entertainment at Farrell, uh, you, you you know get the fans yeah, on cool. to do the crossbar challenge. You get the Glasgow Rocks to do it. You got the <laughs> Keep You Up champion. You've got um, Brian Welsh who now helps out with the, the a lot of the social media stuff at the club. He he wrote the song T H I S T L E, oh, which the the, the view from the terrace um, oh, lent l- l- to, to 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 them. Uh, but Brian wrote, wrote the original, so we've had him on the pitch performing that at halftime, <laughs> um, which is great. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's been all sorts. But I think, this, was it, um, who, who was it that was on the, the pitch at halftime at Celtic, randomly? Snoop Dogg, that's one that's always popped up. Uh, Coolio. Coolio, it was, it was Coolio, uh, that's right. It was Coolio. Um, I, I knew it was... Um, I knew it was a rapper, I couldn't remember who it was though, but Coolio in a Celtic shirt, that's that's pretty cool. Well, he did like Gangster's Paradise. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Um, I always remember at like uh, Scottish Cup semi finals, you get the old beat the goalie game. Remember, like when they used to like say about changing penalties, penalties is a crap way of doing it. Let's have like folk running from the halfway line. It's brilliant. Yeah, like they used to do in, um, in, in America. Yeah. Aye, aye. And you do the whole thing at half time and they're doing it. I always thought it was rubbish because see whoever won. They would win tickets to the final. Now, what if <laughs> your team actually didn't qualify for the final? You'd be like, well, uh, I don't really want to go and watch Celtic play Rangers in the final. I was at, uh, I was at Hamden when United played Aberdeen and United won 2-1. They came back from behind. Yeah. And at half time they did that boxy running from the halfway line. Yep, yep. 
and the boyfriend. Tell me you were on the pitch. Tell me you were on the pitch. No, no, you were not. Oh, stupid. The guy from Aberdeen was pure giving it loudly to United fans, and he fell flat on his face. That's good. That's good fun. Oh, it's always worth it. It's always. But in all seriousness, one thing that again I still used to do it, and they've they've kind of stopped now, but. I, I think I've always really enjoyed I think maybe because I'm a parent as well but they used to get youth teams come on um, and it was even like it wasn't necessarily Thistle's youth team it'd be like local clubs and things and the wee guys would come on at half time and, and have a, a 10 minute game right. on the pitch at half time I, I used to quite enjoy that uh, they used, um, to, they used to do that at Tardice as well they used to be like they'd spit it up in quadrants yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that was uh, it was good because you'd always like the wee guys would go mental when they scored a goal and things like that. So it was good to see all their celebrations, all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like what a buzz that would be, like being eight, nine, ten years old and playing. Oh, okay, it's 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 Far Hill, so it's not a huge crowd, but there's still like two, three thousand people there. That'd be that'd be some buzz. Do we all agree that Scottish football and cheerleading does not work? <laughs> yes, that's all. Oh. Cheerleaders as well for a while. Come on at Carvin, come on at Carvin, don't they? But it's just always like, what, what's going on here? It works in America because it's all razzmatazz. Just doesn't work in Scottish football. I remember rightly, I might be wrong. I was at a Scotland USA game in 2012, maybe. It ended nil nil, and it was a freezing cold end of November night. It was the last friendly of like the international window of the year. I felt so bad because there was a cheerleading group there in the middle of the pitch. And this is like a quarter empty <laughs> Hampton Park with no one there. It's absolutely both it. It's like minus one. And he's poor we poor we that's just trying to do this routine today to get her. And <laughs> absolutely everyone's freezing at it. No interest. I remember once seeing it in a I think it was Hamilton did it on a Monday night as well. They had like twelve. These poor we lassies are like, yeah, oh, this is just cruelty. This is this there's no need for this at all. No one cares. There's only like 800 people here. Right, good. We're all in agreement with that. If, if this was room 101, like a football room 101, we would ditch cheerleading in the bin. Yep, I, I agreed. And and that's that's no harm to the cheerleaders. It's uh, I, I, I went to uni with a girl who, who did cheerleading and stuff like that. There's an awful lot of athleticism and aerobics involved. But um, yeah, I think even they would agree. No, no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just it just doesn't work. They're they're dreaming of the Super Bowl and they've ended up at Fur Park on a cold, wet Monday night. <laughs> it's not the same dream, is it? <laughs> um, right, okay. We need to congratulate another former guest who has managed to uh, get promoted, um, Craig Joyce with Glasgow Bills and Women, who played Buttermuir on is it Sunday? Sunday, it yeah. yeah, yeah, yesterday, and came out when I was three one. So Craig were on the podcast previous light, so they managed to get promoted. And it was an all, all well, basically winner takes all. Yeah, if Buddha had won, they would go up. Um, and then uh, Glasgow Girls and Women have done it. Another club who are devoted just to women's football, which is good to see. I was all Because I, I was kind of thinking that, I was looking at the league table, I wasn't as familiar with League 2 as the first. I was thought, Buddha you link with Associate Rugby. Um, and yet... Yeah, they've got a women's team who, again, are just geared towards uh, women's football. Uh, the Thistle women played against Muir in the, in the Cup earlier this season and it's... OK, Thistle were just promoted and things, but it, it you know, should should have been quite a comfortable home win. But I was really impressed with Muir. Um They... Uh, 
did they take us to extra time? I can't remember. Anyway, it was a very close game. Uh, so I wasn't surprised to see them so close to getting promoted. But um, yeah, quite quite an achievement for Glasgow girls and, and, and women. It's uh, um, It'll be interesting to see them stepping up and seeing how they get on. Because um, there's there's a brilliant um, well there there was a, a brilliant youth structure there. I don't know how it is now. It's been a few years since I've I've um, known anyone who's associated with it, but it was a good uh, youth structure. So hopefully they'll they'll bring through some young players um, because that seems to be the way to go at the moment. There's, we we spoke about this uh, previously on, on on the podcast. You know Aberdeen have um, got quite a few players coming through and who are now signing. Professional contracts, which is brilliant. Uh, girls like London Pollard, who I saw at Thistle, and and even then we've we've got um, like there's Rosie Slater at, at Thistle, who's just 18 years old. Was it? It was one of the old firm clubs that she was at previously. Um, but you can just see that that step up. There's there's a lot of very very talented young players coming through. So hopefully uh, Glasgow girls and women um, follow suit with that. Um, it's going to be an interesting league next year. I think there will be that natural split and you you wonder if Aberdeen and Hearts are, are, are going to join that more elite group at the top half of the table but um, you know that's Thistle have already started their recruitment for next year Rachel Donaldson signed on again which is brilliant because um, she was at Celtic previously came to us halfway through the season um, and uh, one of my favourite players uh, Cheryl McCulloch is, uh, is, is re-signed as well so yeah, it's, it's going to be a really exciting league next year. And obviously with the, the, the new setup through the SPFL, I know uh, some members of, of the podcast gang aren't fans of the SPFL, um, but hopefully with someone like Fiona McIntyre steering the ship and, and directing things, hopefully it'll be a success. Uh, your comment about Aberdeen, like Aberdeen have obviously taken the decision to move semi-professional to women's game, which is a positive step, and then finished fifth in their first season in league. Well, after getting promoted, um, do we think? Brilliant. Do we think? Oh, it's a good thing that Rangers were not like and ended Glasgow City's dominance. Bit of a weird one because usually we would say Never. any kind of dominance getting ended is good. But do we not just see a situation now where the women's game will just be like the men's game and Rangers and Celtic will be the top two? I think eventually because Glasgow City obviously it's a double-edged sword. I think to be honest, it's obviously it's good, but you don't want just one team to dominate it. It was kind of inevitable when Rangers started finally started taking women's football seriously enough. The same way as like United have only just done it in the last few seasons, and United have been promoted with Glasgow. And done well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good that the bigger clubs are starting to take take it seriously. That's an important thing to do. Um, yeah, it's a bit irritating that Rangers have to look like it's Rangers predominantly at the minute. It's good that they've invested in the women's team. It's good that they're, that they're putting the money into the women's team. Uh, it does make Overall, it it better. It's a bit annoying that it will now. It now looks as though it's going to be a Rangers Celtic dominated league. That's a bit irritating, but at the same time, I think we're far too early into the women's game being established, properly established, to sit there and clutch pills at the fact that Rangers Celtic might might dominate it. To be brutally honest, I think we should look at the positives of it rather than the, the negative side of it. Aye, Posit- I should say Glasgow City have finished second this season, regardless yeah. of what happened in the last set of games, but. I would expect, see the attraction, or I would imagine a few of the Glasgow City players will be attracted to playing for maybe Celtic, like a few of them moved to Rangers yeah. um, at the start of this season, which has definitely helped them out. 
I guess like any profession, if Rangers or Celtic are going to be able to pay players more yeah. than what other teams will, then they're probably going to go there, aren't they? I think it's a case of, I don't know this completely, so please do forgive me if it, it comes across that wrong. But I believe it would be a case of, I think the infrastructure at Rangers and Celtic will be a lot better than the Glasgow uh, Glasgow City that's not a slight in Glasgow City Glasgow City deserve a hell of a lot of credit for everything they've done for women's football over not just the past 15 years but like beyond that but I believe it, if you're a professional they'll be seeing like a lot of a lot of Scotland national team players have come through Glasgow City uh, and gone on down south the facilities I think that Rangers and Celtic will be able to offer offer players would be better than anything any other team could offer in Scotland I think realistically um, even with the best of intentions and that's probably even starting the wages. I think if you want to be a professional, no matter what sport it is, you obviously want to train in the best facilities. And if, if someone's offering you that, then, then, then you take it. But I think then going to the SPFL, I think it's actually probably arguably a good thing. It means it's... it's, it's I know that certain people on this show hate the SPFL. But I, <laughs> I don't think they're as bad as they're made out. I just think they're an easy target to hit when something goes wrong. Uh, I think... It becoming under that one umbrella, in the same way that the West of Scotland has finally come, like the West of Scotland teams have finally come under the, the umbrella of the SFA, it is overall a good thing. It means that recognition is easier. It means you've got more bargaining power for TV deals. It, these things do exist. Granted, we can argue the toss about how bad the TV deals are, but you still get the opportunity to do it without being a slightly unknown organisation, effectively. Yeah, hopefully as well, what we see is a bit more professionalism in terms of kickoff times and stuff like that, in terms of not getting changed randomly, okay. and also the facilities that some of the kind of women's games are at. That's the thing that's quite sad for a lot of these teams that are not playing at the kind of greatest of facilities. Um, and we've had guests on previously saying that. It's like, if you want to promote the game, it's not just about maybe them having a good experience in terms of facilities, it's also about spectators. If you're going to a game and you're maybe watching at a cage, it's not that attractive a proposition. I, I believe... That Rangers women play in Rangers training ground, do they not? I believe that's right. Because I know the Rangers Colt teams play at Dumbarton. No, they they, they do, you're spot on. Um, and then that's that that's something that needs addressed as well. Obviously, Glasgow City have made Peters Hill their, their home, same as Thistle. Um, Rangers are making use of their, their training facility and there is like a small stand there and everything like that, but it's, it's perhaps not future-proofing it, they maybe need to look at that. And then Celtic play their games uh, out, out in Airdrie, um, which is just f- far from ideal. It's, you know, it shouldn't be the case at all. And having been to Barrowfield a, f- a few times, the, the facilities there are terrible. They really are. Like I, I live right next to the Celtic training ground out, out in Lennox Town, and it's, it's, it's fine. It's it's I, I wouldn't I, I mean you, you even look at the um uh, the Sunderland until I die documentary and you look at the Academy of Light and how fantastic all the facilities are and things like that you know the Lennox Town facilities nothing like that it's I'd say it's fairly basic um it's got an indoor pitch it's got room for offices and it's got several outdoor pitches um, a couple of the Astro um so why the women don't train there and they're, they're stuck out in Barrowfield which is just a, a shell of a place there's there's room for development but at the moment there's a really nice grass pitch and a couple of astro pitches 
and that's it. Like the the changing facilities are pretty much non-existent. It's it's a shambles. It's just it's not fair. <laughs> I, I mean, I think United United women believe are only part time, and I believe they train predominantly at Guthrie Park. I think they do a little bit at the High Performance Centre, but I know most of their games have been played out in Forfar, um, which is uh, it's not ideal because Forfar have got their own team. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's quite strange. I think uh, Aberdeen's women playing, I believe it's Brecon they've played games in this season. Uh, they've played at Cove as well. Cove, yeah, they've uh, played at Cove. Yeah. This is a decent setup. I've been at, the, I've been at Cove, it's all right. I mean, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame. You, you, you want them to kind of, the dream would be for them to play in the, in, in the, in the men's stadiums, realistically, like the actual stadium where yeah, Dundee United as, a, as an entire organisation should play out. I know why reserve games aren't played there, I'm not stupid, but I know United have had women's games played at Tanadice, and the attendances have been quite high. Like they've not been, they've not been low. I think it was three thousand when they played Johnston get to get promoted. Um, so yeah, it's a bit depressing. I know. I think is it Hibs women play out in Livingston, I believe, and Hearts play yeah. in Edinburgh City. Um, well, sorry, Spartans ground rather. <laughs> Every team in Edinburgh seem to play at some point or another. And sometimes Hearts women play at Orium as well, which is you know, a, a training facility. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's not a stand there or anything like that. Um, but I, I think that's a that's a great point, uh, Jeff, about them, them playing at the, you know, the, the the men's stadiums. There was a lot, obviously, a lot said, rightly or wrongly, about the the release of tickets for that um, game against Spain, and. Subsequently from that, there was a lot of <laughs> middle-aged men pretty much on Twitter saying they shouldn't be playing at Hamden anyway. I mean, what, what's the point in having a few thousand people in a large stadium? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, myself and my family, we, we go to these games regularly. And as, as a fan, any time I go to Hamden, I, I, I just love it. Like, I, I was one of these guys a few years ago, particularly around about the time of the Commonwealth Games, thinking... We need to get rid of Hamden as a football stadium. It's great for athletics and all these other, um, you know, activities and sports and things like that. But we should make the, the team travel around the country. But see, recently when we've had an, a, just a, a, a full Hamden, it's, it's it's brilliant. I've fallen back in love with the place. And even for the the women's games, where okay, the crowds aren't as big, it's it's fantastic. What what a, what a place to watch football, what a place to walk up to and, and have the experience of. So you can't even imagine what that must be like for the players. So um, I, I just we, we just need these crowds to go up, but it's definitely on the increase. I, I think we're a few steps behind what they do in England. But you look at the Women's FA Cup final yesterday, which was a belter of a game, mm-hmm. <laughs> first and foremost. But what was it, 49,000 at Wembley? Yeah. And it's, it's just brilliant. I... I've, I've said this before. Like, I absolutely love the atmosphere at the the women's games as well. It's 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 great. You know, like like I said, I'm a dad, so it's great to bring your kids along to and things. You don't need to worry about um, you know, any any crowd trouble or anything like that. It's exciting, and I, I keep saying it, but the standard of football is just. I, I I think if a lot of people went along for the first time, they'd be really really surprised. Uh, how well they play football. The girls are obviously not as physical as as, as the guys, just in terms of stature and, and whatnot. So they don't play long ball and, and and just miss out midfields. They have to have the ball on the deck and and, and pass it about. And there's just some 
technically brilliant players in 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 the league at the moment. And then when you look at the national team, we've got you, you saw that final yesterday. Caroline Weir was a wee bit quiet, but Erin Cuthbert again ran the show. We've got genuinely world class players in both the men's and women's teams. You know things are working in Scottish football at the moment for the men and women, and we just need people to 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 be open to, to going along to games and, you know, they will enjoy it. I think a lot of the people that these days have decided that they're not for it have decided before they've seen even a second of the game. They've just decided that it's not for them. It's a man's uh, game. It's a man's game. Women should uh, football. They've just decided it's not for them. And uh, as you say, each game that goes on, each season that passes, the arguments that they put out are getting, they were terrible to start with, but they're getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse. And to the point where you just like, see if you just want to say, I'm a misogynist, I'm not watching it, just say it. I don't care. <laughs> like, it, it's embarrassing. And um, yeah, I, I've been to a few women's games, not as often as I probably should, but I have so much of the government's in the room. But um, it's also because where I am is weirdly, despite the fact that I am in the centre of Glasgow, there is not many teams play near where I am, weirdly. But um, I've been to a fair few internationals, and yeah, and internationals and international, and like you say, I have seen a hell of a lot worse on a men's pitch, performance-wise, yeah. than you would ever see on a women's pitch. And the, the professionalism that they hold themselves in, because they, I think it's, they must know that I, the amount of people that judge them, the professionalism throughout all aspects of their life is a lot, lot higher, I think, personally, than a lot of the guys. And um, it's, a, it's a thing that needs to be like looked at. I mean, you don't hear the same stories about women's footballers as you do about men's. Bad ones, <laughs> it, it was quite funny because um, my wife came along to that Spain game and just before she'd, she'd seen a wee bit of women's football and she said, the one thing I like about it is that, you know, if, if there's a foul or whatever, there's not the rolling about and the play acting and everything like that. So, And then, of course, during that Spain game, the Spanish players were terrible for it <laughs> all the way through. So they let themselves down that night. <laughs> they want to see the, they want to see the Spain, Spain men's team play. Like, honestly, if you're yeah. bad. <laughs> so in terms of Spain and linking with their clubs, Barcelona got something like ninety six thousand. I think at Newcamp. Oh yeah, for their, for their so, classical. I think they're regarded as being the, the best team in the world just now, aren't they? Oh, they're yeah. they are frightening Barcelona. again. If, if if you've not had a chance to see them, just it, it's frightening the standards of football. They 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 just again, it's it's it's, it's down to pure technical ability and the the. the Speed with which they pass the ball is just frightening. They're a brilliant team to watch. They're years ahead of just about everybody else at the moment. Uh, to, to be fair to Barcelona, unbelievably. Um, for the, the Messia, they've started taking in young girls as well as young young guys, which I think is a, is a huge thing. I think people are a little bit reluctant. I, I interviewed um, a guy called Ryan Balding not that long ago. wrote a book called The Dream Factory. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is about uh, it's been shortlisted for uh, for the William Hill Sports Book of the Year, and in that he spoke to academy managers throughout. It was predominantly England, um, and he has an entire chapter dedicated to the to, to women's football and how the academy's system is changing for them and how the likes of Man City in England and <laughs> was Chelsea. I don't think theirs is the same anymore. Um, but he was saying that like category one academies there are not many for women's football but Barcelona and Man City are two of the main ones and he was he was saying in that but from when I ain't doing that that like that the people are a little bit reluctant on letting girls go into academies as keenly as they are letting we boys go into the academies 
and there's like he, he says that you can see there's a, a very visible pushback like you said from when he first started researching the book to when he actually wrote it and got it published that he's speaking to Canada managers in that four-year period there'd been the world cup where england got to the final i think and the euros where england had done quite well and he said during that period of time he was speaking to Canada managers and they were saying that people were starting to ease back on this reluctance with women's football. And he, he was saying that, according to a lot of the academy managers, within the next five to ten years, we'll see a massive like quality that's already incredibly high. Like, look at that, look at Barcelona or Lyon or PSG. That's going to jump even higher over the next few years because people are now investing into women's football and the academy side of it. Because um, he, he, he wouldn't name the club, but let's just say they're in the northeast of England. Uh, Premier Premier League, whose academy for the young girls up to the age of fifteen was you just paid you just paid subs and they played for that club, uh, but that's finally starting to change. But yeah, I think it, it it is good to start to see these changes. Hopefully, Scotland doesn't do what it does in other aspects of football changing and take years longer than everyone else to catch on to this. Hopefully, they do something sooner because it it would be good. It'd be not just good for the game, but it's good for their. Good for, good for the country and it's good for the, yeah, the positive outlook, outlook that we have. Talking about something that's potentially good for the country, going back to Spain, shall we talk yes. about the, the game in Wednesday coming up? I've got to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know Vinny's desperate to uh, to pick Jeff up in his hot take oh. from the other week. I stand by that. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's a funny one. I can't remember if it was you guys I said it to or, or, or on another pod, but um, with Scottish teams in, in Europe, uh, I was explaining this to my, my, my eldest son, who's really into football. If they do really well, I'm pleased for them. Right? And I will, I will support Scottish clubs in Europe, regardless of who they are. But if they get beat in a humiliating way, it's even better, but see when it gets to that because I remember it with the um, with with Celtic's run in the UEFA Cup. I was I must have been I, I was do you know what I was fifth year at school because a bunch of my pals missed the higher maths exam to go to Seville. <laughs> <laughs> um, but see being in and around that and being a sort of impartial observer and like go, I remember going around my friend's house each each game at each time a, a tie came up and I watched the game with them all and seen him get so excited and stuff like that and um, yeah it was, it was nice to be a part of and it kind of stops being funny when they get to about the quarter final stage and it was exactly that with, with Rangers it was like like I think when they beat Dortmund you're like right okay <laughs> and then obviously as, as time went on and Barcelona went out and you're like oh okay and then obviously the semi, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really similar to the way it worked out with, with Celtic because obviously Blackburn Rovers were, were, were not the club they are now when Celtic played them. And then, uh, you know, to <laughs> Liverpool weren't the club that they are now, but for different reasons. Um, but, you know, still a very, very high standard. And as Celtic sort of went past all these big teams, you start to take notice and you, you find yourself sort of rooting for them. So um, I've, you know, with my sisters-in-law have married Rangers fans, so it's, you know, it's it's nice for them <laughs> to have this opportunity. But to get, um, beat, to get beat. 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Like, like I said, if it's um, if it's if it's a victory, I'll be I'll be very pleased, and that's nice for for Scottish football to be on the map as long as the fans behave themselves because they've had multiple warnings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, if, 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 is always really good at behaving themselves. Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. Um, but having said that, if I'm trying Frankfurt win five 0 I might allow myself a wee giggle about it. Yeah. You should say, if you want to be like Rangers and have the opportunity to get your hands on a shiny trophy, uk.manscape.com, SFF20, capital letters, for 20% off and free shipping. Um, plenty of products on offer, so you can obviously get your lawnmower 4.0, so you too can have a shiny trophy like either I'm trying Frankfurt or Rangers will get their hands on on Wednesday. At this moment, this podcast doesn't go out uh, visually, but for some reason, Vinny had a couple of potatoes that's them and held them up to. There's, yeah, a, there's a banana here as well. There's a banana here as well. Banana beside potatoes? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. We've got, oh, right, we've got enough, potatoes just sitting out. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not in my bedroom, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you were in your bedroom, you would have your manscaped and uh, yes. <laughs> Looking good and proper. Uh, what's our prediction? Do we think they'll do it? Uh, I, I, I think they will. I, yeah. I, I think they will. Um, I think you saw in, in the semi-final, they were obviously without Roof, obviously without Morelos, but they, they found a way to do it. Um, Kent is, is crucial, but as you saw, there's sometimes there's no stopping that guy. If he's in the mood, um, you know, he was... Uh, you know, t- teams continue to double up Travel up against him, and he's, he can be a phenomenal player if he's in the mood. So you, you wonder if he's if he's the one. What do you think, Jeff? Are they going to do it? Obviously, you want them to. It's a horrible feeling they might actually do something. Nah, um, <laughs> it's just a bit... Yeah, oh, I hope not. Um, Remember, Jeff's got a relative in Frankfurt. So uh-huh. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, I've got a relative in Frankfurt. Did I mention that? Nah. Um, I think this is uh, I think this is similar to when Celtic played Porto, just without the Jose Mourinho factor, um, because as Billy said, Celtic got to put uh, to Seville. They mentioned it. Um, they had played arguably two of the bigger, arguably the two of the more favourite teams to win it like, without doubt. They then got to Porto, and uh, they got to face Porto, and I think most people at the time. Probably in the same way they are at the minute with Frankfurt, looked at it a bit like uh, they've got a fairly decent chance with that because you know it's Porto. You know what's the worst that can happen? I don't know. They've got every chance in the world to do it. They've got every uh, every chance to do it. Frankfurt won at the weekend, I believe. It's, it's a cool way to write them off. Yeah, aye, aye. I've heard um, Derek Gray. Uh, talking at length about them the other day, and they've actually gone on a really similar journey to Rangers in terms of changing manager, and then there's um, there's been ups and downs and everything like that. But this this run has really kept them going throughout the season, so it's it's interesting similarities between them. It, I think it'll be an interesting game. Yeah. I think sometimes you, you get to European finals and they're not always great. As, as I think probably seem to be said for a lot of cup finals. Um, by the time you actually get to the big event, they're, they're not that great. But I think 
there's obviously a lot of attacking talent on on show. There's comical defending potential as well. So um, and there's potentially a very angry Alan McGregor to enjoy too. So I thought um, potentially, that, I mean that's going <laughs> to happen before he gets out. Like, wouldn't it be good if Celtic and Rangers fans could have like something in common that they both lost finals in Seville? Uh, I, I oh, imagine that'd be really nice for them both. <laughs> it? Maybe, maybe, like maybe that's maybe that's putting themselves together. <laughs> And then in like they, 20, 20 years' time, they can go to Seville together. And oh, what uh, could have been? Listen, how many of them have got to Seville? <laughs> Get the calculator out. Yeah, so maybe, Josh maybe. is on his way. Josh is on his way. Uh, we've only seen evidence he got on a plane. We don't know where that plane landed. <laughs> listen, with, 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 his, uh, with his journey plans, like, he could be anywhere. <laughs> he yeah, all well. he needs to do is he, he needs to end up in Seville, but he could be taking uh, any sort of um, route. I believe he's going to Malaga, and if he lands in Malaga, he'll be lifted and sent straight to Austria. <laughs> I hope he's getting his facts up 50 anyway. You see the temperature that does to be? Yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of burnt Rangers fans, potentially. Taps off. Don't burn a bear. What's that? Don't burn a bear. <laughs> but don't burn a bear. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, if, if, if they had a unifying factor of uh, both losing finals in, in Seville, then maybe they could just both get over themselves and kiss and make up and do the right thing and just become one club and share a stadium. It's ridiculous. And move to England. That's a point. And move to England. And and move to England. There you go. And take the Colt teams with them as well. The the Colt teams can go and play in, uh, I don't know what's uh, I don't even know what the run leagues in England are called now. He's got bots all confidence. Is that still going? Uh, (laughs) Anywhere really would be fine. Anywhere past Carlisle would do it. Everyone would be Apart from Alan McGregor doing recreating that scene out of Happy Gilmore where he stands in front of the baseball, uh, ball's getting smacked in the chest before he starts. I can't. I don't even know what else guarantees you're going to get in doing this game. Against, the, um, the strange thing is that Scott Wright got rested for a European Cup final. Start. <laughs> yeah. Like if it was against Partick Thistle, I would understand because he's got he had a good record against him, but. The, the, He's got very fortunate this season with injuries to players at Rangers. Uh, yeah. Because there's think, no way I would have thought when he moved to Rangers he would be playing in a European Cup final. No. Nah, I think with Morales being out, it's a bigger issue in this type of game than I think it would have been otherwise. But I don't know. They've got every chance in the world. If they do well, great. Good for them. We'll be so buzzing. <laughs> Uh, and if they fail, then we can all relax and breathe and know for the next 20 years we'll be told how it's the SFA's fault that they never won. So it's almost like we can see into the future. It's not the SFA's, F- SFA's fault if they win, though. That's absolutely nothing to do with the SFA. They did it in spite of them. But if they do fail, if they do fail it, it's the SFA's fault. That's a guarantee. Even though it's the SPFR that do the fixtures. Yeah. I'm looking at the Scottish <laughs> Cup final next week as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun for us all, won't it? We'll cover that next week in terms of reviewing it more so when we've got the Premiership preview. No, because Laurie will come on and he'll just go on and on and on and on about how Hearts have got injuries and Rangers took him out of the weekend. And then we'll all be sitting there like, oh, cheers. Maybe Hearts will win and then it'll be Andy that'll be, we'll have to commiserate Andy. Yeah, but we can mute him, so it's fine. We can mute anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's always tempting to do it. Uh, I think we did. I think we did what Harry wants in the podcast. The Hibs fan. Um, ah, it's because he said a bad word. For a laugh. 
So, aye, we'll see what happens. But basically, by next, well, no, actually, not by next Monday, we'll have everything wrapped up because there's still the, the Lone League playoff. By the end of the month, everything will be wrapped up and we can all enjoy a break of some sorts. But then we'll have international well, football. I, I was just, yeah. just going to stay, John. But we'll get a break. <laughs> yeah, you, you can have a break for one day and then we've got. I'm, I made the silly mistake of um, just watching the Denmark highlights again the other day and uh, yeah, found it difficult to get to sleep last night because I'm too excited. <laughs> so. What's worse is, literally, as we've learned with Eurovision, that I never watched, um, that if if we did beat Ukraine, we would be equally, if not more, hated than Russia. <laughs> Which is a, well, listen, a bold we, I, move. I, I, it's, it's obviously quite <laughs> I was going to say quite, quite different circumstances, wildly different circumstances. But um, I was really looking forward to being the team that uh, popped our broth bubble. Um, so obviously things are, you know, our broth, as far as I know, aren't at war um, with 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 anyone. But controls. Um, <laughs> um, the um, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one because. So we we want to win, but there'll be commiserations sent sent that way. But yeah, it will be a bit awkward if, if we're the ones to 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 do that to them. Scotland will I beat hope, them. I hope we are, but in the nicest possible way. Exactly. Scotland will beat Ukraine, and Kiev will fall, and then everything will fall back straight down to Hamden. <laughs> all of you that went bad people. <laughs> I've got my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'll go after. <laughs> we shall see what happens. I so actually there's plenty of football sort of place. I could have said that and then went, oh I yeah, I seen your face and I went, oh yeah, internationals. I will get there. But who who wants a break from football anyway? Well, watching Aberdeen. <laughs> watching Aberdeen, I want a break. Like oh, that's oh, what Andy before... I know, yeah. but I'm pretty sure Aaron will talk about it enough next week. But I just wanted but, to ask um before because I'll forget next week because there'll be thousands of people on and I've if you get my question about Andy Constable, do you, as a, in fact, Vinny will know this as well because there's been like, because um, the way, uh, way players have left party, it's been, uh, Dylan and Erskine, yeah, yeah, it's been accused of being somewhat cold hearted. But do you not think that subbing Andy Constable off in the 48th minute of a game, like you're drawing nil nil, go on to proceed to draw nil nil, is somewhat harsh? He, was in, to, he, got, he got injured. So that's why, yeah, yeah. that's why. Um, so yeah, uh, the way it ended, uh, most Aberdeen fans are in that he's like basically been out all season. He's thirty-five. Yeah, by all accounts, he was offered a reasonable deal in terms of moving into coaching as well and getting through his coaching badge and everything like that. I suppose the problem is sentiment comes in in terms of like fans saying, "Why well, should I good servant and all that loyal?" But, but he's been well. I mean, it's, it's not as if he's been just given contracts for the sake of it. He's been given contracts because he's been doing well and stuff like that. Will, will he end up at St Johnston or Cove? Oh, it's got to be Cove, isn't it? See, I don't know whether it'll be Cove. I mean, Dundee could be a shout, but then was it Ryan Sweeney get player of the year, I think? Uh, I don't know whether Considine would rather play centre-back now than left-back. I don't know if it's Dundee, I, then it could be end up a striker. Will I join McInnes at Kilmarnock? I don't know because he knows him well. Um, yeah, but he's from Aberdeen, is he not? I mean, he is, mm. but he, he could he could travel. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's got a young family. It's a daily commute, is it? The only thing he's got. <laughs> well, we've seen folk do it, um, but I don't know if he would play if he would play for Kilmarnock and have to maybe be away from home, like maybe 
seven, whatever it is. Um, Robert Snodgrass was unknown at Aston Villa from West Brom and he uh, from West Ham rather. And he used to drive every right. day from London to Birmingham to go to training and he complained in the end that he put on like a stone because he gets stuck in KFC. <laughs> Um, what was telling in Constantine's statement? I seen it today in terms of was thanking everyone in terms of managers from Patterson, Calderwood, McGee, even Glass, McInnes. No mention, a good, no mention of Goodwin. So I know we never really played on the Goodwin, but he's still been Goodwin's a wee manager there. Um, Goodwin, Goodwin. I think season. Goodwin made the right decision. It might come back to bite us, but. Two year, if he was to point a two year contract for 35, nobody players get two year playing contracts at 35. Uh, it, it's quite weird the way it's gone with Goodman because, like, he hasn't overly turned the ship around, he's got rid of a lot of players. I think that's fair to say. Aye. we'll cover that more next week, though. We'll cover that more next week. Maybe next season he'll be, um, less yeah, angry. I think. I, th- <laughs> I think there's a, a, a big project there. He might be less angry next year, but he certainly won't be any less handsome. Exactly. Let's face it, Jim Goodwin. Oh, right. He wishes he was Charlie McGrew. That's who he has posters of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, we'll wrap up. Uh, pleasure as always. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think there's any other podcast this week, so we'll be back next week with the Premiership end of season review and the battle for eighth place that we were all excited about at the start of the season. It, so could have it, it went to the last week of the season. The exactly, battle. exactly. It was what it was everyone was playing for. It was what everyone was playing for. Right, cheers, guys. Thanks very much, John. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers. Cheers.